it's important for people to remember or to understand who you are and what makes you tick. The love of God, the love of my family, the love of serving the kingdom of God, understanding the mantle of forgiveness and carrying that mantle is also very important. This is In Good Faith, listening to first-person experiences of faith and belief. On In Good Faith, it's our privilege to hear stories and accounts from believers told in their own words. Our hope is to listen with an open heart, celebrating the power of faith and belief and what those stories mean to the ones who tell them. I'm speaking in good faith today with Reverend Eric S. Manning. He's the senior pastor at Mother Emanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston, South Carolina. He's a graduate of Erskine Theological Seminary. Reverend Manning was appointed senior pastor after the June 2015 terrorist attack that killed nine worshipers at the church, including then-senior pastor Reverend Clementa Pinckney. They were gathered for an evening Bible study. Reverend Manning is married to Andretta M. Manning and the father of Ashley and Eric II. Thank you, Reverend Manning, for speaking with me today. Thank you uh, for having me. There is only one correction that I would say. Please do. It's always kind of funny. Uh, My name is Eric Sheldon Charles Manning. I actually have two middle names. Okay. uh, And it's quite providential. Some of my friends, colleagues would say, Eric is pastoring in South Carolina, and his middle initials are SC for South Carolina. Uh, So uh, again, thank you so much for granting me this opportunity to share with you and your wonderful listening audience. Thank you again. Reverend Manning, your bio on the Mother Emanuel website mentions your wife and children, as we just did. And then your bio is a series of scripture verses about love. Tell me about that decision to put that as your bio. Well, you know, it's interesting because as I was contemplating how to present my approach to ministry, my approach to humankind and dealing with so many opportunities that we have to deal with in our culture today, I decided to err as I traditionally do, having a biblical worldview. So I thought as opposed to saying, you know, my name is, and this is all I've done, which is great. And and I thank God for that. But realistically, I think at times it's important for people to remember or to understand who you are and what makes you tick. The love of God, the love of my family, the love of serving the kingdom of God to me is very important. Understanding the mantle of forgiveness and carrying that mantle is also very important. And to understand that the ministry that I have been called to serve uh, was not my own calling. And I have humbly accepted the path that God has laid out for me at sometimes understanding and many times having no clue, um, (laughs) which I think I am mature enough to say. Which is the opportunity for faith. Yes. Because you talk about a mantle that I don't know who would have chosen, but it placed upon you because of events. In our conversation, I don't want to sensationalize the events that happened to your community in the church other than to talk that it wasn't something traumatic and that healing has to happen to move forward. And seven years since that attack where nine different members of the congregation died, what did that do initially 
to the congregation? Did that pull them together or drive them apart? Did no one dare come to service? What was that like? Well, again, um, from my timeline, you can understand that I came to serve Mother Emanuel a year after the tragedy. Yeah. And one of the things that I grappled with early on was how do I minister to a family or to a church family or community that has gone through such a public traumatic event? And I spent some time reading some of the accounts from the 16th Street Church bombing, Baptist Church bombing took place in the early 60s to try to come to terms with maybe there are certain things that I may need to be mindful of that I may need to pay closer attention to. And listening to our partners that we had with MUSC from a mental health perspective, I was introduced to a word or a phrase, trauma-informed, and how I should conduct myself in that particular manner. So I found the congregation in a place of needing to heal internally. Again, when a tragedy takes place that's very public, a lot of times people will come to see the place where this horrific act took place and then just sometimes to be there in the space. And there's nothing wrong with that. I always talk about a ministry of presence and the importance therein. But what I found was a congregation that needed to share with each other how they are coping, how they are dealing. So we began having what I called an internal Bible study, and I, was, I had to be very careful with naming it, you know, for Mother Emanuel members only. But the just was it wasn't a public setting. It was just open for members to process the raw emotions of how they are feeling. And several members came, we we worked and walked our way through several Psalms. The first one was Psalm 27, which is still uh, very near and dear to my heart. The Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And we began to outline that because we had to address the question, what do you do when evil comes into your most sacred space and defiles it? Um, How do you feel safe again? So we processed through that. And then quickly upon my arrival, we had to prepare to meet the families Mm -hmm. uh, and to prepare for a very public federal trial of Dylan Roof. And at the time when I came to serve Mother Emanuel, I was bivocational, meaning that I had a job. I worked for Hewlett Packard at the time, in addition to ministry, but quickly realized that Mother Emanuel deserved my undivided attention. So I abruptly resigned and became a full-time pastor. And that's a different story later on, I gather. But in dealing with the healing, I chose to submerge myself into the congregation and the rawness of the feeling of how they were and the space they were in and did my best to serve as best as I could, trusting and believing that God was directing my path and giving me the strength that I needed. As you look back on the year since you made that decision, do you see that God prepared you in some way for this experience, if anyone can be? And, and that's a great question. And a couple of weeks ago, I was sharing with a family, Darren Simmons, 
He was uh, a reporter for then CNN, and then he had moved to Washington to the Washington Post. And he did a profile on me and reminded me of an incident that took place when I was on staff at a church in Annapolis, Maryland, Mount Moriah Amy Church. And there, the senior pastor was out for extensive back surgery and Sister Edwards, a a longtime member, her daughter, Paula, went missing. And I was asked by the senior pastor to go and check on the family. So I did that and I walked with them, prayed with them, uh, encouraged them, and then came to find that her estranged uh, boyfriend had murdered her and left her in the woods. She left three young children. And so I was reminded of that one incident. And Darren actually said, do you think that prepared you? And I said, I cannot deny that God was preparing me for this in that time of how to minister at then, of course, to one family who's going through an unthinkable time in their life, now coming to a church congregation that had another unthinkable act that they had to process through. So looking back over that and over certain aspects, God was preparing me even on uh, down to making sure that certain things were done properly in decency and order. So, yeah, I, I can look back over and say God knew what he was doing. <laughs> Big I, surprise. Course, yeah, I, I, of course, <laughs> couldn't see it all. And at times I question, well, why did we go from this place to that place? But looking back at it, I'm thankful that God took us through every iteration in preparation. And even now, as I look back over almost six years completed being here at Mother Emanuel, as I share with others, there have been many times when I've had to learn and understand and go through certain things, but I would never change. I would not change anything that God took us through, even as we continue to learn uh, and to serve and to share with this congregation. So as a young child growing up in the 60s in southern Indiana, my parents walked me through. And of course, you know, as a, as a white family, we were somewhat removed at a distance, but they talked me through everything from presidential and uh, the assassination of Dr. King and some of the church bombings, things that happened. But here we are 50, 60 years later, and we as a country keep telling ourselves about the progress we've made. And we can point to different progress. But I am curious, I'm thinking that congregations like Mother Emmanuel, they probably knew from personal experience that such ideas were not ideas of the past. So it's a terrible thing to happen, but perhaps not a complete surprise. And, and, and I don't know. I, I, I know that uh, when the horrific act, I call it a sinful, hateful act, hmm. um, took place, I was completely surprised. I thought as far as we have come to your point, I said we, we had elected our first African-American president. Right. And granted, you know, not everybody was happy, but certain things were being done. And it was moving, I thought, in a very warm and inviting way. But evil came in. And I think sometimes we may not have dealt with the the sinful issue of racism at its very core 
And again, that's why I always point to love, forgiveness, empathy, long-suffering, sharing as key tenets that we should always try to embrace and to have meaningful dialogue, which is something that we, we miss. And as opposed to having meaningful dialogue and as opposed to embracing each other from a humankind perspective and being created in the image of God, we now choose to yell at each other and look at what divides us as opposed to what really can bring us together. In these years, especially working as a pastor, both with a congregation as a whole and individually, what has that process of healing been like, and what has brought peace, both as a congregation and for individual families? Can you point to particular things? Yeah, I would think initially, of course, it's the approval that they don't need my approval, but granting the approval for people to be where they are. Mm. Um a lot of times people begin to believe that they have to heal and have to get over it immediately. I have learned that with every member of the congregation, everyone is in a different space. And it becomes my task to remember that everyone is in a different space, to not tell them to get over it, but to say, it's okay to question. It's okay to, as, uh, as, we did with several of the walking through that we did with the book of Psalms. The psalmist always asked God the question, and it's okay to ask the question. Nice it's to okay be able to, to point to that in the Bible, the questioning. Yes, yeah, and, and it's good to be able to walk through the questions. But as I always share with them, I said, be mindful, the psalmist goes through the place. He, he gets to a particular point, but then he, he comes back to saying, I will be still, and I will know that God is with me. And those are the, the messaging that I try to share with the congregation privately, as I meet with some individually who are still processing it. And then, of course, publicly from a Bible study perspective or from a a church sermon perspective. So it's first giving people the permission to be where they are, then my willingness to meet them where they are. And the most challenging aspect is then to become whatever they needed me to become for that moment. That is hard personally. And when I say that, it means that if they are having a, a season and they want to yell at me, blame me, or whatever the case may be, then I have to become whatever they would need me to become, which, as I said, is hard. But as I continuously learn, and as I continuously believe that God has equipped me, and for that, I am immensely thankful for. Not always easy. (laughs) It's not always a sunny day. And there are days when I wonder (laughs) Um, but God reminds me that these momentary light afflictions, as Paul said in second Corinthians are, but for a moment in time. You mentioned having two vocations for a time working for, I think you said Hewlett Packard. What was the experience for you like before these events were discussing that you felt called or how did you interpret something that was a call to ministry? How did God speak to you that way? 
Well, not to be funny or to give a cliche, but like Jeremiah, uh, while I was in my mother's womb, he was forming me (laughs) or he called me. And I think realistically, as I look back over my life, there are times when I began to have an understanding that there was something more that was going to be assigned to my hand. And it came for me when I was in high school. And I did like anyone else would do. I scheduled an appointment with my pastor to talk with him. And he asked me to question, you know, what do you think a pastor does? And I said, well, you know, kind of, and I rolled down the list. And then he said, well, it's more like this. And then I remember walking out of his office saying, this is not for me. <laughs> um, I continuously looked in. I went, I was in the military for, for a season and was in college, did all of these things. And one dreadful, some folks would say it was an, a major event, but I don't think it was really that major. It was my mother was a member of a church and I had my wife and I and my family had joined that, that same church and she decided that she was going to leave that church. And folks thought that my wife and I were going to leave. And I said, no, because God didn't tell me to leave. At that particular point, it was when the very clear decision and the very clear response came to me that I am to serve God in the capacity of, at the time, I wasn't too sure if I was going to be a pastor or if I was going to be a church school leader or whatever the case may be. But through many seasons and many times, God just continued to impress upon me the importance of sound doctrine, sound ethical decisions moving in that regard. And it continued to build to the point where I started pastoring back in, I think it was early 2000s, and it was hard. But again, I learned through the process that God was doing what he was doing, even, you know, 20 some odd years later, now being full-time pastoring, really full-time for the past six years, it's been rewarding. It's had its struggles. It's had its ups and downs, but at the same token, on more than a few occasions, I know that I am in the right place at this time. Mm. And I, and I kind of smile about that, right? Because I think a lot of times we, we have to understand that when we are called to serve, uh, we have to realistically pick the mantle up that Jesus willingly showed us, that it means that we are to serve the people. Again, a lot of times it's easier said than done. But I have learned to trust God and to continue to believe by faith that he is going to provide. And he has. And I am so grateful that he chose me for a work such as this in his kingdom. Just from my limited experience over the years in lay ministry and having some responsibilities, I've decided those are the things that really let you know your inadequacies. <laughs> that that yes. yeah, you have to you have to lean on something higher than yourself. But yes. are there are there parables or particular verses of scripture or ideas that are touchstones for you that that support you as you move forward trying to do God's work the best you well, know? How? It- There are so many, and I think um, realistically, to be very honest, it 
fluctuates from season to season. Hmm. And I say that because I always leave more than enough room for the Holy Spirit and for God to direct me. And I would say not particularly one verse or one chapter, but the book of Romans has been near and dear to me for many years. And in fact, I always continue in, in Bible study and even in certain settings that, well, you know, Paul wrote in Romans. Well, Paul wrote in Romans. Well, Paul said, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, you know, Paul said, and, and you know, we've all sinned and fallen short to the glory of God. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And shall we continue to sin so that grace may abound? Certainly not. So there are, as you can tell, several passages within Romans uh, that continue to minister to me and uh, keep me grounded. So Romans is very crucial to me and at times. And as I said before, leaving myself open for the Holy Spirit and for God to uh, impress upon me a particular passage that that leads me during a, a challenging season. For example, now it's Psalm 37. And I'm sure within the next six months or so, it may be Psalm 46. It's just God just doing what he does. And I have learned that he prepares me as he prepares so many others before we even think we are going to be in need of it. Mm. You know, recently you've actually been called to testify to Congress on violence yes. against, uh, I think, specifically black congregations, if I'm, if I'm mm-hmm. right. And I'm wondering... What did you tell them or what could you tell us listening to you about when something violent happens, something evil happens? What can other Americans do, other members of the community do to help that community that's been injured or, or perhaps even to prevent it in the first place? Well, let's take the, the, the last part first. How do you prevent it? And what I remember as I was preparing the written testimony before Congress I called it what it was. I said it was a sinful act. Now, and I understand that at times we don't want to call racism sin. We don't want to go down that path, but that's intentionally how I called it, a hateful, sinful act that was propagated against a people uh, because of the color of their skin. And I said, and we failed to understand that we are all a part of collective humanity. So a lot of times what I have learned, and and I talked about this briefly uh, during the uh, testimony time about my workings with Rabbi Myers, Jeff Myers in the Tree of Life Synagogue, just having a ministry of presence. A lot of times when these acts take place, which I am so grateful that many people did and still continue to do even to this day, they show up here at Mother Emanuel and they say, hey, we're just praying for you. We're just We thank God for your testimony, your witness to the body of Christ. And that has been such a tremendous blessing. I still, even to this day, get cards from people all over the world sharing with us and encouraging us. So that ministry of presence helps so many congregations who have been hurt to go through uh, where they are. And then, of course, know that they are not alone. I think that's the most important aspect of it. When you say ministry of presence, that's reaching out and letting people know you're there and that you are aware of them and their need. Yes. Mm. 
Yeah. And again, I cite, you know, the work that we've done with Tree of Life, you know, and, and Rabbi talks about it. You know, he says, we, I sent an email, I had my executive assistant send an email saying, hey, you know, we're praying for you. We're here if you need anything. And he had received thousands of emails, but he zoomed in on that one email and then called me. And then I said, I know you're busy. I know you got a lot of people coming in town. I said, I just want to drop in just to hang out with you for a few moments and, and I'll get out. No media, no nothing. So it's like anything else. People heard that I was going, but Rabbi and I shared. And as I brought him comfort and reassurance, knowing that he will get through this in God's time, he was able to do such. And, and we have fostered a, a wonderful relationship. And it began just by having a ministry of presence, just by being there. That's beautiful. Just the human contact and, and yes. he knew you had been where he was walking. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful. For you personally, in your own life, when you need peace or when you're seeking answers, what helps you arrive there? How do you reach out to God and, and how do you sense answers or direction? Wow. Um, you're catching me at a, at a very good time. <laughs> um, so recently, in, in this particular season, I started running. I used to kind of run periodically, but now I run. And it is during that time where God is sharing with me and resetting me. At times, either it may be a mile or two into the run, and and there's a peace that begins to, to just come. And God just, as I said, with even in my run this morning, I said, I just need to finish. And a lot of times that's where God has me. It's going to be hard, but don't quit. Don't stop. Keep moving forward. Don't have any regrets. Lean and depend on me and you will finish. And before I knew it, I was finished my run this morning. And God had gently reminded me that even in the midst of whatever storm I'm in, that he's there. Hmm. Well, I'm hearing echoes from Romans, even in that of Paul saying, I, I have run the race. Yes. And you're definitely on that path. Reverend Eric Manning is the senior pastor at Mother Emanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in Charleston, South Carolina. Reverend Manning, thank you for speaking with us today in good faith. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it as always. That's our time for today. Thanks to Reverend Eric Manning from Mother Emanuel African Methodist Church for generously sharing his stories and his faith. In Good Faith is committed to the idea that we all benefit from hearing people of widely varying backgrounds share their personal experience with faith and belief. In fact, we think people with such experience deserve some of our best listening. If you enjoy the show, be sure and leave a five-star comment or review where you get your podcasts. That helps spread the word. Our Twitter feed is at In Good Faith BYU. In Good Faith is a production of BYU Radio. I'm Stephen Cap Perry. I hope you'll join me again soon, right here, In Good Faith. <laughs>